0: Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Grab your Bibles and go to the book of Galatians. Grab your Bibles and go to the book of Galatians. If you haven't been with us, maybe this is your first time or second time with us. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here, along with my wife, Diana. And uh, for the last several weeks, we've been going through the book of Galatians. And I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying this series. Come on. It's been an incredible way to kick off summer. Anybody enjoying the book of Galatians? Come on. It's been awesome. I know groups are going through it. And now that we start Connect Groups again today, we're going through it together. And uh, it's been exciting that we're already on chapter four. Go to Galatians chapter four. If you missed any of the past weeks, it is very important that you try to catch up on our YouTube channel or our podcast with what we're talking about in this book. Because Galatians is a masterpiece. I was reading through it again this week and I fell in love with it all over again. Galatians. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. And uh, Paul did such an incredible job. I literally feel like God picked up Paul's hand and put a pen in his hand and said, write down these words. If you read Galatians word for word, line for line, I hope you're doing that. You're going to find a masterpiece. It's full of so much gems that help us out in our relationship with god and so we're going to continue to do that go through that today and we're actually almost done through galatians two more chapters and then we're actually moving on to a brand new series uh in the middle of july called the gifts of the holy spirit come on somebody anybody excited about that one come on gifts of the holy spirit Ah, that was going to be awesome. Uh, The Holy Spirit comes not only to give us fruit in our life, but he comes to give us gifts in our life. There's a gift for you that God has for you. And so we kicked that one off in about two, three weeks. So I'm really excited about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Go to Galatians chapter four. Galatians chapter four. Look at the person you're sitting next to and tell him, I never wanted to sit next to nobody else as much as I wanted to sit next to you. Whatever that meant. Come on. Look at the neighbor on the opposite side and tell them, I'm so glad that you sat next to me as well. Tell them they have a nice smile. Come on, look at your neighbor. Tell them they look good this morning. Encourage your neighbor. Come on. Any single people at 11 a.m., raise your hand. You look in all directions and tell all your neighbors good morning. (laughs) Some people, I said single, not thirsty. All right. Galatians chapter 4. (laughs) anybody love church come on anybody love to be in God's house come on church should be enjoyed not endured I love it I love it Galatians chapter 4 this has been a beautiful letter and we're picking it off right where we dropped it off last week last week we talked a little bit about the third section of the letter and uh, Paul's continuing this theme uh, on the fourth part of the letter Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to begin to read in verse 1. If you're there, can you give me a strong amen? For verse 1, what I am saying, Paul writes, is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery. Somebody say slavery. Paul says we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Somebody say a strong amen right there. Come on. I love it. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. Mm, Come on, that's powerful right there. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God also made you an heir. Come on, everybody love those verses right there. That's powerful. Powerful what Paul is writing. I'm going to read a couple more verses. Paul says, well, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those things who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? chapter 4 he begins this fourth part of the letter so beautifully written and and today I, i i love the theme the topic that paul is continuing to talk about i hope it's something that our entire church across five services two different locations we can get it we can understand it right there in those first nine verses there was a lot to underline highlight i need you to get this in your heart in your soul in your spirit because today we're talking about our father how he is a good father can i get an amen Oh, come on, 11 a.m. A big, strong amen. Come on, he's a good God. He's an awesome God. Today, I want to talk to you from this theme. Live like a son. Live like a son. Why don't you look at three people around you and tell them, live like a son. Live like a son. Live like a son. Come on. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's ask God to bless our time together today. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this morning. Thank you for your presence, for your goodness, for your kindness. Thank you that you're with us, that you are on our side. God, I pray that today you would have your way, that you would open up our eyes so that we would see you in a fresh and brand new way. God, thank you for your presence here in church, here in your house. God, I pray that if anybody walked in sick, if anybody walked in weak, if anybody walked in discouraged, if anybody walked in anxious, that today they may find healing you in Jesus' name, that today they may find freedom in you in Jesus' name, that today they may find freedom, liberty, all good things that are found in you, Jesus. Heal right now. Set people free right now in Jesus' name. Open up our eyes, God. Thank you for your love that is here. Love so amazing. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. It is in Jesus name. All of God's people say. Amen. Oh, come on, all of God's people say. Amen. Can you give Jesus one more shout of praise? Come on. <laughs> perspective. Uh, let's I want to begin to talk about. Let's begin to talk about perspective. I just want to uh, bring you to this word for a moment because I think perspective is important. It's how you view something. You and I, we have different perspectives of something. Like, like two people can be looking at the same thing, yet have different perspectives. Somebody say perspective. Yes. We can be looking at the same identical thing, yet have different perspectives on it. It's kind of like those drawings. Have you seen those black and white drawings that um, if you look at it, one person will see a lamp, somebody else will see a rabbit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Two people are looking at the same exact thing, yet they have different perspective. Perspective is important because according to your perspective, it will determine your approach toward that thing, person, or place. A baseball hitter that has a bad perspective of a baseball, is afraid of a baseball, is going to go up to home plate scared. He's approaching home plate with a different mentality than somebody who's going up there saying, I'm about to get a home run. That ball's not going to hurt me. I'm going to hurt that ball. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Your perspective is different, so your approach is different. You can approach something in fear, or you can approach something in confidence. Friday morning, early Friday morning, this past Friday, it was about 6 o'clock in the morning, my alarm went off, and I was going to get up and go to the office for a little bit and continue to study, and then we were going to get ready to come to the office and work. At 6 in the morning, the alarm goes off, and I kind of lay in bed for a little bit and just hanging out and uh, getting ready to get up, go to the office, maybe for a few seconds, a few minutes, and, and, and me and Diana begin to hear some noises in our room. There were some noises in our room. We heard a little something in a corner. And we're just like, what in the world is going on? I'm like, Lord, is it you? (laughs) I ignored it. I got up and got dressed and went over to my office and was in the office there at the house. And was just kind of studying and praying and getting ready for the weekend. And and Diana texts me all of a sudden. I got a text from Diana. Babe, come to the room now. I'm like, oh my God. And all of a sudden, the next text that came in, like, my heart just sank. She said, babe, there's a frog in our room. <laughs> not about you? Like, I'm not, I'm not afraid of frogs. I'm not afraid of frogs. I, I, I respect frogs. I'm not afraid of them, but I respect frogs, right? I respect them. And so, so I go to the room. As I'm going to the room, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, right now, I pray, I pray you cover me with your blood. I God, God, pray you go before me. Come behind me. Surround me right now. I, that, let me tell you my view of frogs. My view of frogs, I don't think they're cute. I don't think they're nice. I don't think they should be pets. I don't think they're warm and fuzzy, pretty. I, I, don't, I don't like frogs. Anybody with me? Come on. I don't, I don't like frogs. I know there's people that love frogs. There's people that go frog hunting and frog catching. I was in Louisiana once, and they're like, hey, it's nighttime. We were over there ministering to a prison. They're like, hey, at nighttime, we can go out and catch frogs. I'm like, no, I'm going to catch some sleep. That's what I'm going to catch. I'm not going to catch no frogs. All right? And so, so I walk into the room, and I'm just like, okay, all right, so, so this is what we're going to do. First of all, how did this frog get in here? Then we realized we opened the sliding glass door the day before to clean the room, and maybe we left it open a little bit too long, and so the frog probably came in, right? And so the frog is behind a curtain now now because i hate frogs okay this is i'm, I'm gonna finish my, my view on frogs they're disgusting okay they're nasty they're actually demonic they are from hell okay i don't care what you think i'm gonna tell you my approach my view of frogs is that they are disgusting right if you go back to genesis when pharaoh didn't want to let the people go one of the plagues that god sent was what thank you that proves my point they're from the devil so I'm just like the devil is a liar. I can't believe he's in this room, right? And so, so because I view frogs in such a nasty, demonic, slimy, wet, ugly way, like I know that thing wanted to jump on me and bite me and attack me because it's the devil is a liar. I grab the stick. I really grab the stick. I promise you, I grab the stick. I was gonna take this thing out. I was gonna take it out. I said, I come. At, I, I don't come with sword or javelin. I come in the spirit of God, but also with this stick in my hand, right? And so. So I'm approaching this thing like, oh my, it was behind. We have curtains by the sliding glass door. It was behind a curtain. It wasn't a little frog. It wasn't a little cute frog. He, 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 ha, ha. No, it was a big frog. It was an ugly frog in the room, right? I move the curtain and it's staring at me. <laughs> little Mr. Frog is staring at me. So I, I have a stick in my hand and I'm like, how do we get this thing out, right? And so I'm like, babe, you go first. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm like, babe. I'm kidding. I'm like, babe. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm like All right, we're going to open the door a little bit, but I'm approaching this thing. I don't like frogs. I don't. I don't. I don't like frogs. I hate frogs. They're disgusting. I hate them. Not afraid of them. Hate them. And so kind of open the door a little bit, and and I approach it, like stick first, right? I'm approaching it with caution, going back, forward, and back. It's a movement, right? It's a movement that you have to develop to get this creature out of the room. (laughs) Your view of something will determine your approach to it. This morning, how is your approach to God? How do you view God, right? Your view of God will determine your approach to God. How how do you view God? How do I view God, right? How, How do I view God? Do I view God as a good father? Or do I view God as an angry, upset kind of God? How I view God will determine my approach to God. How do I come and talk to God? How do I come before him? How do I approach God? What I really think is that many times in my own life and, and possibly in your life as well, we've had a bad view of God. We've had a, a skewed view of God. We've had a perspective that isn't healthy, that isn't right. And because my view of God hasn't been right, I've approached God sometimes in my life in a very negative way. I felt like I can't approach God like I should. And so it messes up the way that we live life with god can i tell you it actually leads to a big problem and the big problem is this is that we don't have relationship with god we end up with religion with god we end up having a a religion type relationship with god we we don't have a relationship with god we we have religion we have a a list that we check off like well god he he's this kind of god that's angry so i approach him with fear and and I, i god i made it to church today so i check off the list and god i i actually sang a little bit and god when the containers came by i gave a little bit i gave you a tip so hopefully that's another check on my list and and we see god as this boss that we need to check off a bunch of things on the list and so ultimately what we end up having is religion with god not relationship with god But relationship is one of the most fundamental things that we need to understand when it comes to the Bible and when it comes to God. Because God and Scripture is all about relationship. In fact, if you don't have relationship, nothing else will work when it comes to Scripture. You need to understand God doesn't want religion with you. He wants relationship with you. God desires to walk with you and talk with you and bless you. But if we don't get this, we'll only have religion with God. I really think a lot of us, we have this type of mentality. In fact, I'll, I'll go further and say America has a messed up view of God. Miami has a messed up view of God. We see God with the religious lens. We see God as an angry God, so we approach Him with fear. We say, well, I can't go to church today because if I go to church today, the whole building will burn down. You ever heard somebody say that? We invite people to come and... Get to know God and come with us. Hang out at church, and they're like, "I can't go. I'm a hypocrite. God, God must be mad at me. There's no way I can go because this is our view of God—a God who's angry. He's upset at us. All right. How, How do you view God today? I really think that many times we see God as an angry boss. He's upset. Like you're stepping into his office and he's running around and he's just upset. You didn't get here on time. Service started five minutes ago and you didn't get here on time. You didn't give enough tithings and offerings. And how is your? You're not on dream team. And so we're like, oh, I, 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 I gotta stay on the outside with God. I, I can't really have a close relationship with Him. We have this type of mentality with God, or we have a mentality with God that He's an angry owner and uh, upset boss. Or ultimately, I think we think that God is like a master. We have to please him or appease the master. If you think this way, you're always going to live like an employee or a worker. Ultimately, we end up living like slaves. We end up living like slaves, having religion, not like sons having relationship. But I want to tell you today, God wants to clear our lenses. God wants to give us a better view of who he is. God wants to show you he's a loving father. He's not a master. He's not an angry owner. He's not an upset boss. Come on. He's the father that loves you and I. He wants to get your vision cleared. He wants to give you a good perspective. I want to tell you today that if you can see God like your father, you can always live like a son. If you can see God like your father, you can always live like a son. How do you see God today? What is your perspective of God? I wonder how you view him. This is the problem that's going on in the book of Galatians. The problem that's going on there is that there's a bunch of issues in the churches. Because Paul, he preached one thing. But when he moved to a different area, false teachers came in and they started sharing something else. Paul preached the gospel and started all these churches in a region called Galatia which is modern day Turkey. Then he moved on to start other churches and these false teachers called Judaizers, they were Christians that were Jewish before. They came in and they said, "Well, if you if you really want to believe in Jesus and if you really want to be a child of God, then you need to believe in Jesus plus do all these other things. You got to follow Jewish customs, you got to follow Jewish traditions." regulations, things like circumcisions, dietary foods that you have to eat and not eat, and you got to follow certain holidays and highlight some day. Like, if you don't live this way, you're not a child of God. And all the believers in Galatia started believing these Judaizers, and so they were leaving what Paul calls in chapter 1 the real gospel, and they were turning to this false gospel. And Paul's reminding them, he says, hey, don't you know you're a son of God? Don't you know you are children of God? Literally, he tells them, you are going back into slavery. You are going back and living like slaves. Paul says, basically, all of us were slaves. He says, some of us, we were slaves in Egypt. We come from a family of slaves. Oh, remember when we were under Egyptian power, when they oppressed us for years and years and years on end, we were slaves there. But then came a deliverer called Moses, who led us into the desert. Then came Aaron, and we walked into the promised land, and we were no longer slaves. We were now living in the promised land. Those of you who were Jews, remember, you were slaves at one point. And he says, those of you that were not Jews, you may not have followed uh, the law, and you may not have followed things that the Egyptians said, but you followed false gods. You worship false gods. In this day and age, back in the day, they had all types of gods false gods that they would pray to and live to and try to please he said you know if you remember back in the day in the ancient days if you wanted a good harvest and if you wanted a lot of fruit then you would try to please the god of the harvest and there was different gods so that you could have a whole lot of fruit that year if you wanted your wife to get pregnant and you want a whole lot of kids then you would try to please the god of fertility and you would do all these things doesn't that sound similar to how people live today People do all kinds of things trying to receive a blessing from some type of spiritual realm, thinking that if they do certain things, then they'll get a blessing. Then they'll get what they want. Paul literally calls that slavery. He says, you're slaves. Why are you living like slaves? You're trying to do all these things, trying to please these gods instead of having relationship. What you have is religion. He says, do you want to go back to slavery? I don't know about you, but as I read this, I look at my own life and I'm like, whoa, how many times have I lived like a slave? Thinking that my relationship with God is built off of rules, regulations, and religion instead of relationship that I have a father who loves me, that I have a God who's with me, that I have a God who set me free from trying to live up to any certain status. He says, you can come regardless of how you've been living. And so there is a difference between slave and son. There's a huge difference that Paul wants us to understand. And I've kind of wrapped it up in three ways. I want you to write this down. Number one, the slave has a master. The slave has a master. And the, to the master, you're always going to come in afraid. You're going to crawl toward the master. You, you're afraid. You, you think you've got to appease the master. You've got to make him happy. You've got to make sure that he's good. This is your relationship. In fact, if you're afraid of God, you're not living like a son, you're living like a slave, right? How's your relationship with God? Well, you know, if you're afraid of God, you're really living like a slave. And so you approach him in this manner. I can't approach God. He must be mad. He must be upset. I got to try to see if I can make him happy by the way I live my life this week. The slave has a master, but if you're a son, then you know this, the son doesn't have a master. The son has a father. Can I get a Come on. Can I get a strong amen right there? The son has a father and the father. Oh, come on. If you grew up with a dad like me, you know, the father, you can run to him. You don't have to be afraid. It doesn't matter where you've what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. If he's a good dad, you know, you can come to him and you can run to me like, oh, dad, I love you. Right. How do we know how God is like? Look at Jesus. You want to know how God is? Look at Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus, he would walk around through Jerusalem and little kids would come running toward him. Jesus, Jesus, right? They would come running toward him. I don't know about you, but kids only come running toward nice people. You want to know somebody's nice? Put them around some kids. If you're a grouchy, always upset, negative, pessimistic person, kids just have this sense. Like, they just get around you and they're like, "Mm -hmm." they just know, like, I'm not getting close to that person. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But you just get around some kids and you know, the Bible says that kids were running toward Jesus. That means that Jesus wasn't walking around angry, upset, yelling at people. He wasn't walking around like they put him in Hollywood movies. (laughs) Bless you. Get out of my way right now. Like, that's not Jesus. Come on, we look at Jesus, look at a big smile on his face and kids running toward him. And he says, let the little children come to me. Look at the father that way. The father has a smile on his face. He's not a master. He's a good father. We can run toward him and sit with him and talk with him. Come on. The slave has a master, but the son has a father. The son has a father. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. He says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. You didn't receive the Holy Spirit to live in fear. He says, rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption of sonship. And by him we can cry, Abba, Father. You can call him your father. You don't have a master. You have a father. Somebody say, I have a father. Number two, the slave is an employee. If you walk around with a slave-type mentality with God, then you're just an employee in your mind. And so you approach God kind of like, God, this is all yours, and, and you almost have like an I-don't-care type of attitude. Like, God, this is all yours. Like, i just show up to church, and this is cool, whatever it is, right? It's all God's. I don't care. It's not mine. All right? And so if there's a piece of paper on the floor, like, hmm, whatever, it is what it is. I don't care. <laughs> you know? We, we walk around with this type of mentality. But, but if you're a son, you're not an employee. You're an heir. The son is an heir. You know that whatever God has belongs to you as well. Wait a minute. My father owns everything. My father owns cattle on a thousand hills. My father owns all the gold, all the silver. My God owns everything on planet earth and everything that God has. Oh, he'll also give to me. God will bless me because I am his child. I have an inheritance with God. I have a promise. with. Come on. He'll bless you. He'll bless your home. He'll bless your family. And he doesn't bless you to be stingy. He blesses you to be a blessing to somebody else. Then you walk around like, wait a minute, this is mine too. I'm an owner. This isn't just somebody's church. This is God's church. I'm going to be a part of this. I am going to help out. I am going to pick up papers off the floor and garbage outside. Wait, this is my father's house. And whatever belongs to the father belongs to me. You are going to be nice to brothers and sisters because we're all part of the same family. Right? Because I'm, I'm not a slave. I'm a son. Not an employee, I'm an, I'm an heir. Right. right? Number three, a slave is actually driven by duty. A slave kind of mentality with God is like, oh, here we go again. We have to go to church on Sunday. Yeah, I'm yeah, a toiletando, mija. Leave me alone. I've got to go to church ready, right? Like we just start getting ready and we feel pressure. Some of you, this is how you came in today, like kind of just by duty. Like, I just have to be here. I get it. Oh my God, we're going to sing this song again. I don't like this one, right? <laughs> Here we go again. Here comes the container. I guess I have to give my tithings and my offerings, right? Serve day, home, serve day. Great, yeah, yeah, I'll go help out. Sure, whatever, right? Because your spouse is driving you crazy, and you're going to show up to serve day like, "Mm, where are we going? Who are we going to go feed? I'm trying to feed myself, right? (laughs) I'm hungry, right? Because you have this kind of duty mentality, like I have to do this. Oh, great, Saturday. Yeah, hundreds of churches all over the world. I could have stayed home. Watching the Marlins lose again. (laughs) The slave. Is driven by duty. The son is driven by devotion. You say, wait a minute, I'm a son when I didn't deserve to be a son. So I don't have to do this. I get to do this. I get to come into church, lift up my hands and worship my God. I get to give God an offering because he's blessed me. I get to serve my city because God has served me. A son is not an employee. A son is not driven by duty. A son is devoted to the father's thing. How's your view of God? How's your perspective? Paul is trying to fix it. He says, hey, don't go back into slavery. Why are you going back into this religion type of mentality where you have to do things for God, thinking that you can appease him, please him, make him happy with you? He already is happy with you. He's your father. Understand, you are children of God. Come on in church. I don't know. Does that help out anybody? I don't know about you, but in my own life, I'm like, God, I'm, I'm your son, and like I know I didn't deserve to be a son, but you've chosen me like I'm your, I'm your son. Wow, that changes my perspective when I see him as a father. When I don't see him as this angry God, when I don't see him as this boss, employee, when I don't see him as a master, it changes everything. Because God is the Father, I'll I'll close with these three things. Write this down, and hopefully this will help us today. The keys can come up, and we'll finish with this. Number one, because he is my Father, the chains are gone. I look down now, and I, I don't have chains on me anymore. Oh, I don't know. That gave me reason to, to sing to God this morning. That gave me reason to give God a shout of praise because I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer in chains. I, I, we lived in this world where people were trying to please God and so many of us come from families and come from backgrounds where we think that if we do something, we can please some God, some type of God that's out there and, and maybe he'll bless us if I do some kind of special prayer or if I crack an egg or crack a coconut, but with my God, all those kind of chains are gone. I'm not bound by any of those things. He set me free i don't have to live trying to please god i don't have to live trying to make him happy he is happy with me he's my father he saw me under slavery and he came and he set me free he set me free this is a free life that i live he who is in christ is free indeed he has set us free the chains are gone in your life And they're gone in my life. I want to tell you today, if you're living in slavery, if you're thinking with this kind of mentality, I'm afraid of God. I can't approach God. I want to tell you, God has set you free from all of that. You don't have to live in chains. You don't have to follow all these rules and regulations. And if you don't follow them, then God won't love you. That's not our relationship with God. The chains are completely gone. Paul is literally giving them a picture of a slave in the ancient days. If you were to walk around some of these ancient cities, you would walk around some of their alleys and some of their marketplaces. And yeah, they would sell some fruits and some vegetables, but they were also selling slaves. And slaves would stand up against the wall and they'll stand on these boxes. And they were, they were in chains. And their master would be selling them and saying, how much do you want for this slave? And how much do you want for that slave? And Paul is literally giving this picture and he says, this is how you work. You were under sin. For those of you that were trying to live by the law, you were enslaved to the law. Those of you trying to appease the elemental spiritual things of this world, you were under their power. And you were literally slaves. And literally, what he's trying to give us a picture is that Jesus walked into the marketplace. And he says, he's no longer a slave. Take every single shackle off. Take every chain off. That is, that is my son. I'm buying him back. I'm buying her back. Come on, we're no longer slaves. We are now children of God. Come on, if you're excited about that, can you give God a big shout of praise this morning? Come on, every single chain is broken. I'm not bound by sin anymore. Sin is not my master. I'm no longer ruled by the things of this world. Jesus Christ is now my father. It's giving me a way to have a relationship with him forever. That's called redemption. Jesus Christ redeemed us when he went up on the cross. He bought us back. And he says, that's that's mine. It does not belong to sin. It doesn't belong to all these false idols. It's called redemption. Paul is trying to give him a picture like, you don't have to live this way. You've been redeemed. Not only have you been redeemed, when when Jesus Christ bought us back by what he did on the cross, when he paid the price, he set us free from sin. But then he took us to his house, meaning his family, and he says, hey, you're not just a slave or a servant here. Oh, no, take those titles off. You're not a servant here. You're not a slave here. You're a son here. And that's called adoption to sonship not only did he redeem us come on he adopted us Oh, I don't know about you That that chapter 4 is deep I pray you go back and I pray you read every single line I'm telling you chapter 4 is so beautiful Paul is trying to give him a picture of what Jesus Christ did with them ultimately what he did with all of us he says why are you living by all these rules regulations why are you living bound down by the law why are you trying to go back and appease and appease and try to get these gods to be satisfied with you You are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You don't have to live bound to the things of this world. He redeemed you. Then he took you into his family. And he says, put a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. This is my son. This is my daughter. You belong in this house. Now everything that is mine is yours. Your chains are gone. Number two, you're a child of God. Somebody say, I'm a child of God. You are a child of God. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. Whatever belongs to God now belongs to you. i put it this way. Whatever God gives to Jesus, now God gives to you. Because when he sees you, he sees Jesus. If you were here last week, we talked about how Jesus, he stepped in the middle of us in the mirror. The Father now looks at you And he's pleased because he sees Jesus. So he doesn't see our sin or shame. He says, that's my son, that's my daughter. Are we living like slaves or are we living like sons? Am I approaching God like if he's my master? Or am I approaching God like he's my father? Paul says, oh, the, the spirit of the son now has come inside of us. And it's through the spirit that we can cry, Abba, Father. Now, maybe we read this and we're like, that's cute. Abba, Father. Wow, that sounds nice. Abba. I'm going to name my son Abba. Like, no, no, Like, you got to understand what this means. He's writing in Greek. Remember, he's writing in Greek, but for this specific word, he takes it back to the Aramaic because this is the language that Jesus spoke. So he's talking to a Greek audience, yet he uses an Aramaic term. Why? Because when Jesus came on the scene, Remember the old testament type of figure of God was this God that's off at a distance. I can't approach him. If I approach him, I may be consumed with fire. If you tar- touch the Ark of the Covenant the wrong way, you may just be strike- struck down by lightning type of stuff, struck down by fire. When Jesus comes into the scene, he's like, He's he's my father, he's Abba Father. Well, this is a Jesus broke every kind of paradigm and mentality there was. God is not this God that's off at a distance that nobody can touch. He's a God that you can have a relationship with. He's a God that you can talk to. He's a God that you can walk with. He's a God that loves you. He's a God that's for you. And his name is not just Almighty Lord. He's also dad. He's also Abba. He's also father. The word Abba is one of the most intimate words you can say for a dad, for a father. It's not like like going up to a father and saying, oh, father, how art thou? Like, that's that's not Abba. Abba is dad. It's literally, literally the translation is daddy. Daddy. Now, for some of you that may be weird calling God daddy, but that's literally what Paul is trying to like, show them. Like, like I don't, I don't go home. I have a really good relationship with my dad. I don't go home and I say, Father, I'm here. Like, I don't, I don't. Like, that's my dad. Like, that's my best friend. Like, I'll go home and I'm like, hey, papi. <laughs> right? Like, hey, dad. Hey, pops. Papi, come on top. You know, it's my, my dad. He's saying, you can come to God the same way. You come to God and you can say, Dad, Daddy, I'm, thank you because I'm your child. Thank you because you love me. I'm not a slave anymore. Oh, come on. I'm a child of God. He redeemed me and he adopted me. It's a beautiful picture that Paul is painting. Are we living like slaves or are we living like sons? Paul then continues this picture, and he gets into a really, really beautiful part toward the end of chapter 4, and I wish we had more time, and I know we're already over time, and I'm sorry about that, but I'll try to finish really quick. He talks about Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Now, you have to go back to Genesis to understand this, and Paul, is trying to get them to get this. God had given Abraham a promise that he was going to have a son, but but Abraham was way over his age already. His wife was already barren. She couldn't have any kids. They never had kids. They're already up there. They're advanced in age. You know what I'm talking about? Like they were already already up there. Past 90 years of age. And in fact, when God promises to Abraham, the Bible says that Sarah laughed. She's like, Pum, You have a baby. Like, that's not going to happen. You know how old we are? <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. And Some years pass by, and the baby doesn't come. And so... Sarah and Abraham, they have a conversation. And Sarah's like, hey, I'm already old. Like, I'm about to die. I'm not going to have a baby. Look at our servant. They had a servant in the house. Her name was Hagar, a young, beautiful girl. It's like, Abraham, why, why don't you just sleep with Hagar and, and just, she'll have the baby for you. Abraham's like, that sounds like a good plan. Yeah, I, I like that plan. <laughs> and, and he sleeps with Hagar. <laughs> and, and he gets her pregnant. And and they have a baby called Ishmael. Now, Now, this was Abraham not trusting God's plan. Listen to me. This was Abraham not trusting God. Whenever you don't trust God, you're going to try to do things on your own. That's called your own works. That's called religion. That's called the false gospel. See how Paul's trying to tie it all together. That wasn't the promise of God. That's you trying to appease God in your own ways. That's you trying to get God's promise by your own works. And God comes back and He says, That's not what I promised you, that Sarah was going to have the baby. And what I promise, I will always deliver on. And Paul writes about this in Galatians chapter 4. It's so beautiful. Sarah, if you could imagine, she's already way advanced in age, past 90. She sees herself as weak, she sees herself as unable. She says, How can I ever have a baby? How can somebody this week ever be fruitful? Can I tell you, Paul is painting a picture. This is beautiful. He says, this is how you're viewing your life. You're viewing yourself as this old barren woman who says, there's no way that God can choose me. I have to go back to the law. I have to go back to religion. I have to go back to works. I have to go back to slavery because there's no way that God would choose me. This was Sarah's mentality. And this is your mentality and my mentality. We know ourselves. We know our sin. We know our shame. And we say, there's no way that God can pick me. Because I'm so full of shame. I'm so full of guilt. I'm old. I'm barren. I'm weak. I'm unable to. But God doesn't look at the outside. God looks at the inside. And God says, I can turn deserts into rivers. I can turn barren women into fruitful people. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. Number three, you are chosen by God the Father. Come on. He chose you. He picked you. It doesn't matter what you thought of yourself. He thought you were good enough to die for on a cross. He thought you were good enough that He called. You, his child, he thought you were good enough that he sent this one and only son to die on the cross for us. This is our father, he says, I choose you. I know you see yourself as weak and unable, but I see you as my child, and I see you as somebody that I choose. He says, Are you going back into slavery? And there's a part in chapter 4 that's so beautiful. He says, Are you going back into slavery after you have known God? Better yet, he says, after God has known you. <laughs> it's beautiful. The most beautiful thing about the gospel is not that we know God, it's that God knows us. He knows you. I love what author Tim Keller said, and maybe we could put it up really quick. Tim Keller said this What makes a person a Christian is not so much your knowing God, but his knowing of you. The great and central basis of Christian assurance is not how much our hearts are set on God, but how unshakably his heart is set on us. Oh, come on, somebody. Can you give God some praise? Come on, he's a good father. He's an awesome father. He loves me. Some of you, you might have had a bad dad on this side of eternity, and and so you can't think of God this way. And it's kind of been one of the reasons that maybe you've lived your life Like a slave with God. Like an employee. Like a worker with God because you don't know what a good father is. You had an experience of a bad father. Maybe your father here on this side of eternity abandoned you, maybe left you. Maybe you grew up without a dad. And this is why I'm convinced that one of the main things the devil wants to do is break up homes and take fathers out of homes. Because if he can damage the father structure in the home... He'll damage our view in our perspective of God. Goes back to perspective. How's your perspective of God today? Do you have a healthy one? Do you have a clear one? Do you have one of Him as a father? Not just of any father, as a good father. As a good father. And I wish we had more time. I know we're running out of time, but I'm telling you. How's your view of God? Churches is important we're about to leave and you're about to go have the week of your life and we're about to celebrate 4th of July but this is important that you leave out of here with a clear view of God not just as a father but as a good father that I can approach with confidence that I can approach with my arms extended no matter where I've been no matter what I've done oh he's a God that forgives he's a God full of grace he's a God full of love he's a God that's waiting on me he's a God that speaks words of affirmation he's a God that speaks words of love he's a God full of grace He's a God that will pick you up. He's a God that will never let you down. He's a God that loves you. He's a God that speaks over you. He speaks purpose. He speaks life. He's speaking to you today. He says, you are my son. You are my daughter. Pick up your head and worship your father. Pick up your head and clear your view of God. He has you in his hands. He'll never let you go. Come on, if you believe that, can you lift up your hands this morning? Come on, can we worship God together? He is the rock on which I stand. Come on. You are the rock, you are the rock on which I stand. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed. There's some people in here today that God wants to heal your heart. Because you've been living like a worker, like an employee, like a slave. And you haven't been able to view God as your father. He's a good father. He's a loving father. He's a father that it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. He'll take you right back. He's waiting for you with arms open wide. He loves you. He loves you more than you could imagine. He'll do anything for you. He did everything for you. He sent his son to die for you. How's your view of God? How's your perspective? He wants you to live not like an employee, not like a worker. He wants you to live like a son. He's a good father. I know your dad probably walked out on you. I know. I know your dad probably was never around. I know. I know he probably said some words he he didn't mean and hurt you in a way that you couldn't imagine. And there's people in here that you're still hurting from that. Let the good father step in. Let him fix the lens of your perspective. In Jesus' name, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that your vision becomes clear. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you see God as your father, as the good father, with open arms. I pray for healing in Jesus' name, healing of wounds of the past, hurt of the past, scars of the past. You're not a slave. The chains are gone. The chains are gone. You don't have to live under that burden. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Whatever your eye close, whatever your head bow. Maybe there's some people in here that you say, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you're here and you say, Alex, I'm so far from God. I'm so distant from God. Maybe you're here and you say, Alex, I've done too much wrong. There's no way that God can love me. I've messed up too many times. I've done stuff nobody knows about. I've done stuff that I'm ashamed of. Well, that's why the Bible says that all of us were sinners. There's not one perfect person in this place or watching online. All of us, we've sinned. We've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. Sin separates us from God. God can't be with sin, but God is so good and loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came and The Bible says that Jesus grabbed all of my sin. My shame grabbed all of your sin. All of our mistakes. And the Bible says that Jesus put it on his shoulders, went up on the cross. He died on the cross for us. He paid the penalty for our sin. He went down to a grave. He was in a grave for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. He's alive today. He's the hope that you've been looking for. He's the peace that you've been in search of. He's the answer that you need. The Bible says if we call on the name of Jesus, we will be forgiven and we will be saved. It's through Jesus that we have a relationship with the Father. Come on, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, in a moment of privacy and concentration. I know there's some people in here you don't have a relationship with God. I know there's some people in here that you're tired of living the way that you've been living. Today is your brand new beginning. Today is your brand new start. If you're in here you say, Alex, I need forgiveness of for my sins. If you're in here you say, Alex, I need to begin again. I want to start life brand new I want forgiveness this is your opportunity, this is your day Whatever every eye closed, whatever head bow come on, nobody looking around the whole church praying, if you're in here and you say, Alex, that's me, I'm going to count to three I want you to raise your hand right where you're at I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to call you out none of that, every eye closed, every head bowed if you say, Alex, I need forgiveness Alex, I want a brand new beginning I want Jesus to be my savior I want a relationship with the Father. If that's you, at the count of three, raise your hand. I'll just see you really quick, and then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hand all across this place. I see you. 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 I see you back there. I see you back there. I see you. I see you. I see you. Amazing. Amazing. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. Anybody else, you raise your hand as high as you can. Father, we thank you for all these hands. Thank you for every single person making this decision today. Come on, all of us with our eyes closed, head bowed. I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. All of us together, let's say this out loud. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord. And be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Come on, Calvary. Can we give them a big, big hand? Come on. Can we celebrate?